When the world gets too much for Jesus, like in chapter 12, verse 50 of Luke's gospel, where Jesus says, what stress I'm under, when things simply get too hectic, too stressful, Jesus takes off. How does Jesus deal with stress? Like disappointment, rejection, discouragement, despair, fatigue, misunderstanding. How does Jesus deal with stress? He changes his focus. Rather than take out his frustrations on others, Jesus takes off. Jesus allows time apart and time in prayer and time in nature and time nurturing another faithful framework to recenter him and sustain him. For several of the recent Sundays in worship, we've been listening to the letter of James. James, the short letter at the very end of the New Testament, only has five chapters. James, the pastor, who allegedly is writing to his church family at the end of the first century, trying to encourage them in how to live, how to be God's people in a very challenging world. James says things like, be doers of the word. James says things like, be careful what you say. Tongues have power. Words matter. James also says uh, many other things. And we have this passage today. It's the very last words of James. They come from chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. They're printed in the bulletin. Listen now as I read from James once again. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any among you cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Come apart before you come apart. That, I think, might summarize what James is trying to urge from his congregation and what James is maybe urging from us in these challenging days. As he closes his letter, it's a letter full of wisdom and encouragement. He says, in essence, come apart so you don't come apart. Just before we have these words in chapter 5, um, James has a long section about money. We don't like talking about money. James deals with money. He warns rich people that misery is coming. 
Rich people should be aware. Misery's coming because he speaks harsh words. Eventually, riches will not sustain you. They fail and they rot, he actually says. Clothes get moth-filled and our gold and silver will not save us. So James echoes words of Jesus. You can't store up for yourselves treasures. James exhorts justice for the workers. James exhorts life for all people. He warns about money. James also urges just before this and just after talk about money that his people should be patient. Be patient, especially in suffering. The farmer has to wait for the precious crop to emerge on the earth. We also have to be patient in all of our longings with the things that are heavy on our hearts. Be patient, James says. Strengthen your hearts, he says. Do not grumble against each other. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is merciful. James urges us to endure with whatever comes our way. And then we get this passage. Are any of you suffering? They should pray. Are any of you cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any sick? They should call the elders and have them pray. Come apart before you come apart. James reminds us that our lives are rooted in God. Our lives are held forever in God's care. Our lives are sustained and blessed and held by God who is merciful and compassionate. When we suffer, when we feel overwhelmed, when we're stressed out, what is our framework? James says, pray. When you're cheerful, sing songs of praise. Life is held by God. Nothing can separate us from God's love. This is the framework that intends to give us balance and peace and perspective no matter what we're dealing with. Our framework. Recently, I watched an interview between the very well-known Anderson Cooper from CNN and the equally well-known comedian Stephen Colbert. Anderson was interviewing Stephen because both of them share a very tragic bond. Both of their fathers died when they were 10 years old. Stephen lost not only his father when he was 10, but two of his brothers. They were killed in a tragic accident, so this obviously had a huge impact on Stephen's whole life. So these two famous TV personalities are talking about grief and healing such an important topic in these days of this pandemic when grief and healing are so much what we're longing for, struggling with. So Anderson Cooper, sitting with Stephen Colbert, they're talking honestly. They're talking sincerely. And Anderson says to Stephen, you recently said that we are to love the thing that you most wish had not happened. Do you really mean that, Stephen? Love the thing that you most wish had not happened? And as Anderson is asking this question, he's beginning to tear up and get emotional because of his own losses and discouragements in life. And Anderson continues, you also said what punishments of God are not gifts. Do you really mean that? 
Stephen Colbert pauses for a long time. And he grins with confidence and he says, yes. And then he follows up. It is a gift to exist. And with our existence comes suffering. There's no escaping that, Stephen says. And then he follows with some amazing insights about gratitude and about life and about God. And he says that he seeks to live life always with gratitude. And if he is grateful for his life, he actually says, he knows he has to be grateful for all of it. The good things and the bad things. The losses and the failures. The setbacks. Even the heartaches. Colbert says that when we have losses, it teaches us to be aware of other people's losses. In all of this, he shares how his life is rooted in a particular framework. Faith and gratitude to God. How rare and how wonderful to see two people who don't usually talk about these things share so honestly and so helpfully and so faithfully. This is what James is urging, I think, from all of us, encouraging from all of us a centered life. Are you suffering? Says James, pray. Are you celebrating? Sing songs of praise to God. Life is rooted in a particular framework with God. We keep focused on God's primary care of our lives. God with us. God for us. We keep focusing on the fact that God is present in all things. And God is always at work through every single thing that's happening. And God never lets us go. We seek to be shaped and sustained in prayer and in praise. Come apart before you come apart. Then this passage gets a bit more complex. And it deserves some real attention and faithful reflection. James says, and I hope you saw it, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And he mentions Elijah and the importance of prayer and how prayers can work. And this is part of James's encouragement to be living lives centered in God and related to God in prayer. This is his encouragement, this loving framework in which we all live. We belong to God. But that line, the prayer of faith will save the sick when taken literally and not just as a pastor's word of encouragement about the framework of our lives to root our lives in God's love when it's taken literally it can become quite problematic here's what we know all too well many times the sick are not saved in many situations the sick do not always get better but succumb to disease and and death. The scripture is meant to be encouraging about our framework and about our life, and yet it can also be turned on us or turned on those who are struggling so much when our prayers, our heartfelt prayers, don't create the outcome for which we've been praying. When we pray, we often pray for things that do not come about. We may pray for healing from cancer and then The cancer snatches a loved one's life as 
some of you know far too well this very week. We pray for better test results and sometimes they keep going in the wrong direction. We pray for our parents and we pray for our children and yet what we know is the heartache can linger for very long. We pray for reconciliation of our relationships and sometimes they stay broken. We pray for raging fires to subside or the storms to turn away from their promised destruction. We pray for just resolutions of geopolitical crises. We pray for relief from climate change and climate crises. We pray for an end to gun violence in our city. We pray for equity and fairness for all people. And we do not see the end of these horrors sometimes. We pray and Jesus and so much of Scripture urge us to pray and keep our lives connected to God and to one another, but we do not always see the intended outcomes of our prayers. The prayers of faith do not always save the sick. So this verse is meant not to be taken literally, but as encouragement for life with God and life in God's realm and life related to God and life serving God prayers are the primary means by which we relate our lives to God and live in community with one another we pray and we keep praying together prayers help us trust God prayers help us relate and commend our loved ones to God's care prayers connect us to one another as we think about what people are struggling with it gives us a bond an affinity a connection so we pray we pray fervently we pray even unceasingly as it says in other places of scripture our prayers keep us bonded together and to God prayers remind us that we're not alone prayers remind us that we're not on our own prayers teach us that God is near that God is always at work. Prayers deepen our faith. Prayers remind us, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. But here's the nuance. We do not believe in prayer. We believe in God, and we keep praying because that is all about the relationships. God is the one who sustains us, God is the one who never leaves us. God is the one who invites us to pray, to come apart. Before we come apart, we pray. We pray sincerely. We pray for, with devotion and care. We pray for ourselves. We pray for our church. We pray for our city. We pray for the whole world. We pray for everything that's on our hearts. God gives us prayer. God instructs us to pray. Jesus teaches, are you suffering? Pray. Are you celebrating? Sing songs of praise. But our prayers are not magic. As I've said before, it's not like feeding a vending machine and getting out what you requested. Prayers are about relationship. Prayers are not about what's effic prayers are not efficacious. God is the one who's efficacious we believe in God so we pray 
We bind our hearts to God's heart and to one another in prayer. But we believe in God who never leaves us, who always prevails, maybe not in ways that we think or want, but who always is at work, who never lets go of us, who holds us forever. That is God. Our lives are rooted to God in the, in, and so much trusting of God's compassion and mercy, God's hope, God's promises, God's peace, God's purposes. We keep praying. Teilhard de Chardin wrote that we must trust in the slow work of God. Ours is a God who waits. What are we, who are we not to wait? It takes what it takes for the great turnaround. Wait for it, Teilhard de Chardin says. We keep living in very challenging times. We do. Many of us with very challenging circumstances. We seek to be faithful. We seek to be resilient people amidst all that comes along. We have to keep practicing what we focus on. When we focus on the dark stuff, our lives just become dark. When we focus on the things that are out of our control, we just become paralyzed and perplexed because the problems are too big for us. But when we focus on God and God's abiding care, focus on God's promises, focus on God's presence, keep our lives related to God and related to one another in prayer and in serving God, then our focus is on the good stuff, the possibilities that might emerge within and around us. And also gratitude emerges and depression is abated and we become more resilient. This is the way that James is encouraging us. If you focus on being religious, you just become a religious person. If you focus on being successful, you might become a successful person. But we trust our lives to God. And our goal is to let God enfold us in God's light and in God's compassion. And our goal is to live with commitment, trusting God and serving God. And then we emerge in God's full light in God's full love, in God's full presence and care. Our framework is God's light and God's love. We come apart before we come apart. May this be our way, today, tomorrow, forever. Amen. Let us pray. Shower us, O God, with your spirit. Remind us of your boundless promises. Fill us with faith, hope, and love. May we live with faith, hope, and love following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.